Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue from BTN, and before we get into the show, a word from our presenting sponsor, Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. All right, thanks once again to Northwestern's School of Professional Studies. If you're looking for a job in the sports industry, looking for a job at a place like BTN and uh, just want to work in sports in general, definitely check out that master's program in sports administration. All right, getting into this week's episode, uh, happy NFL Draft Week. The NFL Draft is a day away now, starting this Thursday, running through Saturday down in Nashville. A bunch of Big Ten players uh, ready to be picked and uh, a lot to pay attention to, especially if you are um, you know, NFL fan or football fan in general. So we're getting you ready for the NFL Draft on this episode with a pair of guests that will be involved in the draft this weekend. Um, first guest on the show is Divino Zigbo. He's a Nebraska running back, a senior that's graduating this year. We had a big senior season for the Huskers in the fall, and he's hoping to hear his name called this weekend. So we talked to him about his expectations and his career at Nebraska and what he's been up to as he's trained and gotten ready for this weekend, really the rest of his career as he transitions uh, to professional football. So great discussion with Divine. Um, That'll be first up. After Divine, we have a chat with Jason Horowitz, a radio host for Westwood One and Sirius XM. He also does uh, some play-by-play on TV as well. But for the purpose of this episode, talk a good amount of uh, what Jason will be up to at the NFL Draft. He's the (laughs) lone host, I believe, for Sirius this weekend. So he's got three days of coverage on his plate, plenty to do. And we also talked to him about his career coming out of uh, Syracuse's fine journalism program, broadcast journalism program, and where his path has taken him from there, because he's got some uh, interesting stories and and a cool, unique background. So Jason's an awesome guy to talk to, really outgoing, really fun, engaging. Um, So I hope you enjoy that as well. Um, And after the Divine and Jason Horowitz interviews, we have another Call for the Culture segment with our producer, Colleen Degnan. So if you have not heard this show regularly uh, our producer colleen joins us to talk about the intersection of sports pop culture uh entertainment just everything in between keep it light keep it fun and it's a good time so jam-packed episode nfl draft themed episode and it's all coming right up first up like i said it's nebraska's divine ozigbo that interview with the former husker running back starts right now Very pleased to be joined by a former running back for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a guy who's hoping to hear his name called in the upcoming NFL draft. It's Divine Ozigbo, and you can follow him on Twitter at TrulyDivine underscore 22. Divine, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Um, and this time of year, and honestly, this time in your life is something that you as a football player only go through once. So if you could just kind of take us through the experience preparing for the NFL draft and what you've been up to since playing your last game for the Cornhuskers. Yeah, so shortly after, you know, the Iowa game, I luckily I finished up school, so I graduated. And then after that, I went to Florida to train at XP out in Boca, you know, for my combine pro day uh, prep. You know, I had a great time there. got a lot better, you know, made some pretty cool friends. And then, you know, had pro day, 
that went well. And after I party, I decided to stay up here in Nebraska and uh, work out because, you know, Nebraska, like, they have, you know, top-notch facilities, top-notch nutrition. They're going to make sure, you know, they're going to take care of the older guys and take care of the guys currently there, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just kind of what I've been doing, just kind of working out and staying in. Yeah, for sure. And um, have you had any communications with teams? I know uh, someone said, you know, your agent said you were just in Washington, D.C., meeting with the Redskins. So take me through what that's been like and, and what it's been like interacting with uh, some NFL teams, some of the feedback you've gotten. Yeah, it's been cool. So uh, shortly after the pro day, I had a, a workout with the Saints. Uh, went up and visited Cleveland, Minnesota. I had a local day in Dallas. And like, like you said, I was just in, uh, in, in D.C. And it's been pretty cool. You know, I've been talking to a bunch of coaches on the phone. There's a bunch of coaches that I met with at the East West Shrine. And, uh, and, you know, just kind of stayed in contact here and there. Like The coaches have been calling me, texting me, and things like that. And it, it's just pretty cool here because, you know, you're finally at the level that becomes, you know, a dream come true. It's just having all this positive feedback so far. It's, just, it's been really encouraging. Have you got any weird or unique questions from teams? I know there's always stories of teams that might ask some like uncomfortable or just out of left field questions. Uh, what's that experience been like? Uh, no, so far it's pretty. It's been pretty much you know run of the mill questions. You know, I've had you know personal depending on what I've given back, but nothing crazy. The weirdest question I think I've got was East West Shrine, and a scout asked me if I could uh, put a saying on a billboard. What would it be? And that kind of stuff. You know, I kind of didn't see it coming. And, you know, I gave my, my answer was something like, uh, you know, greatness is an ever-moving target. And, uh, and I thought that, like, that was like, the only thing that came to mind at the moment. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I looked at your bio and you were a, uh advertising and public relations major. So I feel like that line of schoolwork kind of fits into this whole draft process that you talked about. Because, you know, you're kind of advertising yourself to teams and building a personal brand. So... That kind of fit that billboard question. Have you kind of had to reinvent yourself at all or kind of build a brand? And did you learn any of those uh, skills in your classes that's helped you throughout this process? Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely think, you know, becoming an advertising public relations major, it kind of helps me know what people are looking for and kind of how to communicate to people. I haven't really had to, you know, uh, like like reinvent myself. I've just been kind of, you know, giving my honest story. And I think it's just all about how you execute delivering that story, how you, you know, delivering that message. And I felt like, you know, just the background in ad PR definitely made that e-transition. I'm able to piece the story together to where it makes sense and it's very uh, understandable from somebody else's perspective. So I definitely think it helped. So from your perspective, like, how much of that do teams actually care about? How much of it is just, you know, can this guy play football? Uh, I feel like the NFL is getting a little, like, more and more of a, of a mental game. They kind of want to know where players' heads at. So I, I feel like it matters to a point, but then again, you know, it is about playing football and getting it done on the field. So I would say it matters a little more than most people would think, but, you know, it's definitely about, like, how you play. Just as long as they can get along with you or tolerate you, <laughs> I guess, is, uh, is what they're looking for. Yeah, so getting into deeper into the kind of shifting philosophies in the NFL – I want to talk about kind of the current era of running backs in the league and kind of how a bunch of franchises seem to shift their philosophies when it comes to running backs. It seems like for some organizations, running backs have become more interchangeable. So for someone like you who's hoping to break in the league at that position, do you think that presents more of a, an opportunity or do you stress a little bit about you know the perception that maybe running backs are more replaceable than they once were in the league? Uh, I definitely kind of look at it as an opportunity because, like you said, teams, like, they have a bunch of backs and they kind of, you know, piece them in according to what is their scheme at the time. 
but me being a running back and me being a ball player, I've always been a guy that wants to be completely well-rounded, you know, just be good at everything, be able to provide, be able to provide substance or whatever is asked out of a running back. So I definitely think if I can, you know, go out there and show teams that I can do everything you need, you don't need multiple guys to handle one, like to handle each thing, but you have one guy that can do it all. And then, you know, it's like other guys that can kind of fit the bill, which try to go for. So if I can be that do it all guy that I feel like I could last and be on a team for a while, you know, continue to make my impact for a long term. Definitely. And right now before the draft, we're about two months removed from the NFL combine. That was an event that uh, you did not receive an invite to, correct? Yes. So after, you know, you got passed over for that, did that serve as extra motivation at all, or just what was your immediate reaction to uh, not going to Indy? Uh, my immediate reaction was, it was, it was kind of disappointing for like a little bit. Something I definitely wanted, but then you know, I quickly shook it off and was like, all right, then I just got to move all my focus and all my uh, intentions to pro day. Kind of just put a little more pressure. I only had one opportunity to show a bunch of scouts how athletic I am, which you mean, which you know. It was kind of it, it kind of made it a little more fun. It was like, all right, like this is the only opportunity I got, and I got to make sure I do everything I can to you know have a great showing and let coaches see who I really am. Absolutely. Um, all right, looking ahead now to the draft itself and draft night uh, over these three days of the NFL draft coming up. I want you to set the scene for me. Uh, how will you be taking the draft in? Where will you be watching? Um, and who will you be surrounded by? Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna watch the the uh, pretty much all the drafts back home in Dallas. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it with my immediate family, and then you know probably uh, my like my football mentor, Coach Nate, and then maybe just some other like close family friends and stuff like that. But yeah, we're gonna keep it tight at least uh, throughout the draft process. And Saturday, I might have like a little thing just to like it's basically it might be a graduation party, a celebration of my career in Nebraska, and like the potential to be on NFL team here pretty soon. Little thing with a bunch of really good friends from that area. Just some people have always been with me since high school on to like at the end on Saturday. There you go. So what's the uh spread? What's the what's the food situation look like in an event like that? What do you got lined up? Uh, honestly I have no idea. Like that whole little situation is more for like, you know, my my parents and my family, you know, they want to kinda of celebrate it. So I'm a, you know, I'm just gonna be waiting to hear my name and I'll let them figure out how all that's going to go. Right. All right. So in a week or so, obviously, you'll be uh, ha- you'll have a much better idea of where you're going. Um, but I want to take it back now to your college career and look back at your time at Nebraska, and especially that leap in production from your junior to uh, most recent senior year. You became an all-Big Ten player, rushed for over 1,000 yards. What do you attribute that leap in production uh, to especially? Uh, I'd probably just say uh, uh, the transition of Coach Frost and the staff, like, like from the coaches to the weight room guys, just the just the whole feel and environment they kind of brought to Nebraska was definitely one of those things that was like it was definitely needed and it definitely had immediate impacts to players and I feel like it was going to have a immediate impact to you know, people coming in the future. Yeah, get deeper into that a little bit if you could. I mean, what what did Coach Frost do specifically? <laughs> That was different. I have heard, uh, you know, rumors about the weightlifting program being much improved and and just little things like that. So, what did uh, what did Scott bring that you feel elevated the program? Uh, he just kind of brought like a level of comfort to the team, and like he allowed his players to play. Uh, you know, he made it easy to go out there and have fun and get better every day. This, this has been probably one of the most like 
the going through this season with this team, like especially the way it kind of started and the way it finished, it was it, it was never a drag because like I literally saw everybody on the team get better and better every week, and that's one of the like only things you could ask for. Like we improved, like in the coach Frost and the staff, you know, he got the coach the weight room definitely got our bodies the position to do so, and then just the way the coaches went about coaching, it just made it easy to go out there and literally get better every week. And that was and that's something I love to do. Something I love to see players around me getting better. So it was, just, it, was it, it definitely wasn't the season we wanted to have. But I definitely, you know, I definitely think we laid the foundation for like for, for good things and you know set good examples for the younger guys to kind of grow up and lead the new young guys in uh, in, in the right way. And that's like all that's kind of brought by how Coach Staff you know runs the program, runs the organization, and uh, and how Coach Duvall gets people's bodies right. All right, I want you to reflect now on yourself a little bit, and I want you to gas yourself up a little bit for this next question. I, let me know. Your favorite individual play? Obviously, you know you, you broke out your senior year, but you were no slouch the years before that. So, what was if you could pick one play, your favorite from your career at Nebraska? Uh, hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I had some memorable plays, and you know, just, you know, just some plays that kind of were more plays that kind of meant more to others. I guess I I'm just tough. I'd probably say the. The run maybe I had against North Northwestern this past year. It was the one where I came maybe a yard shy. That's kind of the one that sticks out of my head, you know, like off top. And it was, uh, you know, I, I made I made like a DB miss pretty bad, and I just switched out of reach, and I was a yard short. I feel like that was a play that I honestly kind of surprised myself. I did. It was one of those things where my body just kind of took over and naturally just reacted. And you know, I heard a lot about it. Once I saw it, I was like, wow, that was kind of, that was kind of cool. So I probably I probably go with the quick answer with that one. All right, and how about overall moment from your career? It doesn't have to be an individual play, but if you're going to reflect back on uh, your four years there, what's something that, you know, maybe it was a, a team experience or a win that you guys had, what's something that you'll cherish uh, as you move forward in your life? Uh, yeah, yeah. Five, you know, big team wins and those huge moments. I definitely think it was, uh, like, the single moment that definitely sticks out of my head. I, I knew as soon as it happened, I remember it forever. It was uh, junior year against Northern Illinois. Um, only played three snaps that whole game. Kind of got in early. We were losing at the time, so it was nothing to really be excited about. Got in, the crowd got a little bit louder. And I was like, okay. And I didn't really do much. Got out the next play. I went to ask my friend. I was like, what? Did, like, did the crowd get a little louder? He goes, yeah. So then later around the third quarter, I go back in, and I actually get the carry. And I had like an eight-yard run. And like I said, we were losing at this point to a team that we thought we were going to handle. You know, it was a little disappointing time in the game, and the crowd went crazy. You know, I kind of noticed it too on the field. And then uh, I had another run to went back to the sideline and asked my same friend. I was like, "Yo, it got loud." He goes, "Bro, they were standing." And then I was like, at that point, I was like, "Wow, like these fans really care about the players. Like they really like want the best for everybody, everybody out there." And it was just, it was just one of the like, best experiences I ever had. Like coming from. Being a football, like playing football, and just having the whole crowd like respond to you that well. All right, I love the uh, love the detail there in that description. Uh, all right, Divine, we talked about how you are a advertising PR major, and you you know kind of branded and advertised yourself to NFL teams. I want you to do that on this podcast now. What do you bring to an NFL team if you give kind of your elevator speech? Uh, you, you, um, me as a player, you know, I'm going to bring a guy that's going to do his best to get everybody on the team better. 
is including himself. I'm going to be a guy you're never going to have to worry about on and off the field. I'm going to take care of my responsibilities and, you know, just be nothing but an asset. I'm going to be locker room, from the locker room to the field. Just, just be a guy you want in your team, be a guy that's going to help you win games and win championships. Awesome. All right, before we wrap up, Divine, uh, I'm going to take it off the football field for this last question, and I just want to know what you do in your, your spare time. You know, you probably don't have a lot of it right now, but – what do you do uh, in your downtime when you're kicking it? Are you a Game of Thrones guy, or do you have some other hobbies? Uh, what, do, what are you doing outside of football? Oh, yeah, Sundays are definitely, as of now, occupied by Thrones. But, yeah, I'm a huge like TV show movie watcher. I'm the type of guy that will find a show I like on Netflix, and I'll watch the whole thing in two days. And then I'll just like play video games in my spare time. But, yeah, like, I'm definitely one of those guys. I was one of those kids that kind of grew up. I wasn't outside. I was watching TV. It kind of got annoyed with my parents, but you know, something that stuck with me. See, you're like the example that for parents that are, are worried that kids are watching too much TV or, or playing too many video games, like you're about to, to be in the NFL. So it's clearly, <laughs> clearly it's not too big of a distraction. Uh, any other shows besides Game of Thrones? Do you have any examples of shows that uh, I might need to check out? Or binge watch? If you haven't seen The Punisher on Netflix, that's definitely one. So, like, I think Netflix definitely did it right when it came to that, like, animated. Or not animated, but when it came to that Marvel superhero. Because they have some other ones that are okay, but The Punisher is done correct. Good from start to finish. Uh, there's a, uh, Dexter was a show that I binge-watched. And, uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to think right on the spot. But, yeah, I'm just one of those guys. I run through them. And I'm like, all right, to the next one. I don't watch things twice. That's a big problem I have. So I have to find something new. And I just stick to different things. Yeah, I did see Dexter. See, like, I, I've been out of the loop on Avengers and Game of Thrones, so I need to get into those. I did see the most recent Avengers movie, and I'll, I plan on seeing the next one. So at the very least, I have that, like, surface-level knowledge. And uh, yeah. I, I need to get myself in the loop and binge-watch like you uh, when it comes to Game of Thrones because I'm definitely feeling left out right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a culture, and it's definitely going the way. Absolutely. All right, Divine. Well, I will. Uh, I will let you go. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck in the upcoming draft, and best of luck wherever you end up. We'll definitely be following along. That's right. Thank you. All right. Thanks once again, Divine, for joining me. Really appreciate him jumping on. Best of luck to him this weekend as he waits to hear his name called, and uh, best of luck. Wherever he ends up in the NFL, I'm sure he'll have uh, have success like he did throughout his career, especially late in his career at Nebraska. All right, moving on. As I introed at the top of the show, we have Jason Horowitz of SiriusXM Radio, Westwood One Radio. He's in Nashville and will be covering the draft extensively throughout the next three days. He'll be hosting for Sirius, and um, he's also just had a lot of different responsibilities across his broadcasting career. So talk not only about the NFL draft but got deep into his uh his career and experiences as well so really fun engaging interview with Jason awesome guy to talk to and uh hope you enjoy it and so you can enjoy it we'll get right to it it's take 10 podcast discussion with Jason Horowitz and it starts right now I'm very pleased to be joined by Jason Horowitz he's a radio host and play-by-play man for Sirius XM and Westwood One just recently ran into him at the Final Four, and now he's getting ready for the NFL draft, so he's a busy man. Jason, what's up? How are you? Doing great, Alex. You know, it's, uh, it wasn't so much a run-in, right? It was more of a sit-down and hosting by everyone's favorite John Crispin holding court, really. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't even a chance encounter at that point. Yeah, got to give a shout-out to John Crispin, friend of the pod, at uh, making this happen and, and making this possible. 
Yeah, I mean, he needs as many shout-outs as he can get. So, we, you know, the longer we can do that, that'd be great. I might just drop his name every three or four minutes. He, he's on a golf like, course now. <laughs> he's, he's unable to, to uh, be reached right now. He's on a golf course. It's the offseason. I can't even, can't even find him if I wanted to. So He's, like, demolishing his house only to rebuild it again. Then he'll do it again next year. That's what happens, <laughs> when, you, that's what happens when you work four months a year. But uh, unlike him – we, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> exactly. And it's funny because uh, when we were trying to schedule this – uh, you said you were on jury duty or waiting to be called in, which is something I've never been selected or called in for, so I do need some clarification on this. Uh, is the excuse that I might have to call into a podcast not enough these days to get out of jury duty? <laughs> um, how about the, the, you know, the funny thing is the excuse that I'm, I might have to fly home for Passover isn't even enough to get out of a jury duty. So the podcast, believe it or not, comes comes a little bit farther down the list. Uh, but yeah, no, I never got called, I never got called in. I just sat in the uh, the juror pool waiting room for the better part of six hours. They gave us an almost two hour lunch. I think at that point they realized that we're not going to have any use for any of you, and we wasted our group of our, of jurors that could possibly be called in on a day that we're not actually going to get any trials whatsoever. Uh, which is which is great if if you can get lucky enough to get that. That that's that's excusing for four years. So uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I was telling you, I avoid checking the mail just because I'm afraid that uh, a summons will be in there. But if that's how yeah. jury duty really is, I might uh, not have anything to worry about. I might actually look forward to that. So uh, I don't know that everybody has the same experience. So I'm not, I'm not pushing it because I don't know that that's true for everybody. All right. So aside from that, you've got plenty of other responsibilities, like I mentioned on the radio for Westwood One, Sirius XM. Uh, so personally, I listen to a ton of local sports talk here in Chicago. But since I surrendered my car a couple of years ago to live in the big city with uh, limited parking. I don't listen to a ton of like live sports on the radio, so if you could, Jason, take us through your primary responsibilities and which sports you cover for those uh, for those networks. So uh, I have been the studio host for Westwood One's coverage of college football and college basketball primarily for the for the past ten years. Um, so Westwood One National Radio Network has the rights to the NFL primetime games all year long. Um, we do things like the SEC Championship, Army, Navy. We do major games every single week. Uh, we, we, we host the, or we host, we have the tournament, um, which is, you know, the property that everybody would love to have. And, and I have been the studio host for, for the last six years for the NCAA tournament, which, which the way we do it is the way that CBS TV used to do it before they had the partnership with Turner, where you had one channel, right? But you have four sites going on at once, but you have one channel. And the whole role is to make sure that the audience is at the best spot at the right time. And that's still the way we do it. Um, and that's from the beginning of the day through the end of the day. And, and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to be part of that. For Sirius XM, I, I host a show on ESPNU Radio with uh, Andy Staples called Playbook, uh, 1 to 4 Eastern. And the channel is a college channel, um, but, but we're pretty much a show about whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I call games for uh, CBS Sports and uh, and Big Ten Network and uh, whoever else really will allow me to call whatever game they would let me call. Uh, and it's it's been an awesome run so far. So looking through your bio, it looks like you've had uh, experience in sports outside of football and basketball. What's the most obscure sport or most obscure event or even like unique event that you've ever covered? Um, a sport called grid. Uh, it lasted for two years, three, se- three seasons. Um, it was a combination of um, it, it's almost like a team gymnastic sport meets world's strongest man meets, um, and now I'm blanking on what it's called, uh, the, the, 
CrossFit Games. Um, it, it's it's along those lines, and it was a team sport played on a on a playing surface the size of a basketball court, with different stations with you know movements and uh, lifts and other things that you had to do, and um, that was as scary as a thing as I agreed to ever call the start. And then once we got into it, it was a blast because it was so competitive. And these are athletes that, you know, are just regular day-to-day people. But um, for these couple of months, they join these teams and they're just so in shape. Um, you know, how you picture, whether it's gymnasts or how you picture guys who are at the gym just jacking up 500-pound uh, clean and jerks. I mean, it was just an unbelievable experience. And then the, the thing that I felt most out of my element with, but but have enjoyed, is figure skating, um, because it's so different than football or basketball uh, that when I did play by play at the Olympics in Sochi for radio of of figure skating, and then on TV with some NBC stuff the last couple of years, European figure skating championships and uh, four continent. It's just so different from what my normal day to day activities are and the way you deliver figure skating and all that stuff that I just, I felt like if I could call those things, I really could call anything. And I, and at this point I really believe that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Sochi Olympics because I'm curious if Russia was as wild as people kind of portrayed it at the time. Like was your room bugged? What was working out of that country? Like I have no idea. I said, I don't, how would I know if my room was bugged? That's true. If the KGB was going to bug your room, you probably wouldn't know. Yeah, I mean, that, they, they wouldn't be as good as what they do if, they, if, if, if I'm good enough to discover that they're bugging my room. So I, I, have, I have no idea. Um, look, you know, media people like to complain about stuff and, like, pretend that people actually care what the media people are complaining about. You know, when we were at the Final Four, ah, oh, Minneapolis is so cold. It was like 65 degrees and sunny three other five days. What are you complaining about? <laughs> like, it was great. Um, and, and so people just like to complain about. Now, were there legitimate things to complain about in Russia and to report upon and, and people being displaced and no question, right? Human rights issues and all those things that go on in Russia and other countries, yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. Um, the, the hotel that we stayed in, that, that wasn't one of them. Like, my, my shower flooded the bathroom on a daily basis. And I'm like, who cares? I'm getting paid to be at the Olympics. I'll put a couple of extra towels down and we'll go on about our day. Um, so I think that got a little overblown. But, yes, are there other issues that are more important? There's no question. It's funny because in Minneapolis, my uh, shower floor was kind of flooding the first couple of days. And See, it can happen I, here, too. It doesn't just happen in Russia. Yeah, I know it's cold in Minneapolis, but it's not Russia. I don't think I would have complained about it like I did to the front desk, though, in Minneapolis if I was in Russia. Like I probably would have just left it alone well, and you know, the people – well, so when you get events like that, they want everything to be perfect because they realize who's there. Like, they realize that people are writing about them. They realize all that. Like, they want everything to be talked about in the best way possible. And, and like, like, these are just your day-to-day citizens who are being put in those places to work. So, um, yeah, they were willing to do whatever you needed to get to get things taken care of. I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't complain about it, though. Like, I just um, – a, like to your point, I didn't know what was going to happen, but B, it's like you, you kind of realize that these things were all put up last minute the same way that some of that stuff was going on in Brazil. And, you know, what what was ha- what happened to make that happen is, is really the bigger story. All right, so you were trained for all these uh, responsibilities at Syracuse, which I hear is a, a decent sports journalism program, you know. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's and, <laughs> and I hear you're also close with uh, Jason Benetti, who calls a bunch of Big Ten basketball games for ESPN, also the play-by-play man for the Chicago White Sox. And I'm bringing this up to you because Benetti's uh, 
call and his words have been all over the national airways this week after White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson got drilled by a pitch this past week uh, after flipping yeah. his bat. So I need to know where you come down on the whole bat flipping thing. Are you are you pro bat flipping or anti? No, I'm neither. I, I just I, I'm 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 pro. <laughs> this is going to sound stupid. I'm pro anti stupidity. What I, what I mean by that is, like the the whole idea that like that a bat flip deserves an immediate uh, drilling in the in the rib cage or in the back because that's how the way it's always been done. Like to me, that's stupid. And like the 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 thought that well, a guy's showing you up when he pumps his fist when he gets a strikeout, or he's showing you up because he shows some emotion when he just jacked a four hundred foot home run. To me, that's stupid. Like I I think there is some middle ground. Um, you know, I, I do think the whole idea of act like you've been here before, I do think there's merit to that. Uh, I do. I would like to think that, you know, I have two kids. I'd like to think that I'm raising them with some humility and, and, and humbleness and, you know, do the best you can and realize that you're doing stuff with teammates. But you know what? When you do something awesome, you should be excited about it. And I've never hit a home run. Like, I, I stunk at baseball. I, I would have loved to have hit a home run. And to, to, Tim Anderson, I, last I checked, he's hitting like 430. And he just hit it the other day. Like, I was there. I, I took my family, and Benetti had us up to the box, and it was awesome. And, like, Tim Anderson hit a grand slam in Yankee Stadium. It's awesome. Uh, like, all that stuff's great. Now, is it possible he did it on purpose to, to alienate the, the Royals? Sure. I don't know enough about the White Sox team or Tim Anderson's issues with Kansas City's pitching staff to say, like, yeah, this is totally based off the background. Um, but the whole idea of... Uh, we should do stuff in sports because it's the way it's always been done and because there are these unwritten rules. Uh, I, I think that's dumb. I really do. I think sports should have emotion. That's why we like sports. We don't like sports because they're boring. Why do you think people like Tiger Woods? They like Tiger Woods because he, he, he showed emotion and was different than everybody else that came before him. And, and, and obviously there's the racial part to that too is the difference. But like there's a lot of things that go in to his energy and his emotion and like he you're like you want to be that guy or that woman who is doing something that is awesome and full of passion and full of energy and and I'm all for that I'm all for that yeah well said and I I agree with you on pretty much all those points like I think I think (laughs) coming down to our one side or the other um doesn't make too much sense and like no but Eddie and I talked about this last so so the bad flip was on Wednesday, and he and I talked Wednesday night um, because I'm actually getting to those. The Sox are in Detroit this weekend, and, and we're going to be there. And uh, so we were just trying to figure out some, some plans. But, like, um, he and I were talking about, like, he went out on a diatribe about – he had a whole dialogue about some things being dumb. And and his word choices and have always been better than mine. He's a human walking dictionary and a thesaurus, which is awesome. Um, but you know, he he had some opinions about it, and I think that's great. You know, it's like we don't have to be robots, and that's in this industry, that's in that sport, that's in it. Like, let's 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 all be individuals here. That's a good thing. So, looking back, obviously, you and uh, Jason are still very close. Looking back to your time at Syracuse, if your friends and your college, uh, I guess, classmates would have looked at you too, you guys both ended up all right, I'd say. But who would have voted? Uh, who would have been voted? Most likely to succeed between you two uh, as roommates back then. Ooh. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. He has definitely had. He definitely had a better voice. He definitely has a. Uh, he had a constant work ethic, and he had a and he had a strong gift for 
bringing people in uh, to, uh, to to his network um, and, and to getting an ability to get people to respond and, and work on his craft. I mean, he has always been so good at that um, and, and, and making sure that he is the best that he can possibly be and be better that, than anyone ever thought possible. Um, and I know he's open about that. I mean, he's talked about people uh, clearly when he was um, hired as the voice of the White Sox. It's it's not doesn't take very long to know is that he looks different, right? And, and that he's, you know, the whole story, all the stories written about cerebral palsy and how he's embraced that. Now he's part of the, the cerebral palsy um, foundation and, and, and he's a, you know, he's a character on, on their website and the whole movement's like, hey, you know, come talk to me, come ask about me or, you know, like, just come say hi. What I think whatever that phrase is that they that they're promoting. Um, so he's uh, he's a special play by play guy. Um, we all wanted to be play by play guys. I've always known he was better at play by play. I don't know that he could host a show though that like I can. <laughs> yeah, give, give yourself some credit here. Um, <laughs> and moving, you know, moving on past your Syracuse days, and actually not moving very far because I have to ask you. Uh, about what happened after immediately after Syracuse, because um, some sportscasters, you know, grind their way to the level they're at, and some get their right. breaks into the industry very early. And I, I want you to take us through your path, because at least one step of it I know is very similar to uh, Mike Hall at BTN, who has talked about that path on this show. So I want to hear yeah. your experience and how it compared. Well, Mike's is different because he won. So Mike actually succeeded at ESPN's dream job because he won the whole thing and had his contract there. Um, And and then, you know, the whole ESPNU thing, and then then obviously he's been very successful with with BTN. He does a great job. Um, I made it into the Final Four and and, and got voted off on the same night that President Bush got reelected. So depending on how you look at both of those things, it was either a good or bad day for the country both ways. Um, So so all that happened. But, um, you know, it was, it was interesting because I, I was still in school. I was the only one of the contestants who was still a college student um, while the show was going on. There were a couple who had just graduated, um, including, you know, ESPN's and Shroff, who had just graduated Syracuse. And um, the guy who ended up winning the whole thing, who's a, who's a um, TV anchor, I believe, in Columbus now, uh, David Holmes. And, uh, you know, those guys had just finished school, but I was spending my semester three days a week in New York, or four days a week in New York, and three days a week in Syracuse, and I was still doing the radio stuff up there at uh, WAER at Syracuse and um, working with other younger students as a, as a personnel director and so all that stuff. So I went back to school after I was voted off the show and had this you know great experience, right? Um, you know, the, the whole experience of being voted off because I didn't handle what happens when they take away your shot sheets and things go haywire all at the same time. Like all that stuff that happens on a regular basis, ad-libbing and things of that nature that you have to be able to do in the business, um, which I might not have been ready for at that, at that point, but I think I can do pretty well now. Um, so I started with that and then went back to Syracuse and applied for the Hearst Foundation uh, competition and got accepted. So I was one of the six finalists for the Hearst Foundation Awards out in San Francisco, and when I was out there, I got a chance to meet a man who named Larry Kramer, who was also a Syracuse grad, but he had created Market Watch, and Market Watch was sold to CBS, and so he had some connections there, and uh, said, hey, look, um, they're hiring someone who, who's gonna be the face of CBSSports.com. Uh, are you interested? And this is 2005, so I was, I was thinking, like, who's watching TV on the internet? Like, why do I want to go do TV on the internet? <laughs> what, that can't work. Why would anyone want to do that? Um, and I did it. 
because my, at the time, girlfriend, now wife of 10 years, was moving to New York. And I'm like, well, if I move to El Paso or Shreveport uh, or markets in the t- like that vicinity, I'm never going to see her, and this isn't going to work. So it wasn't even out of the belief that, hey, this is a great job and everyone's going to watch videos on the internet. It was out of the belief of, okay, they're going to pay a little bit more because it's New York, and I'd like to be there because I like our relationship. And I took a chance on that, and it worked out. Um, we've been in New York ever since. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned kind of going back to campus because I remember Mike saying that he was kind of a celeb when he went back to campus in between the uh, the weeks when he would film the show. So did you have any uh, celebrity status on campus and, and even in that year afterwards? Where, where, did people recognize you bit, or call you out? A little, a little bit, but I wasn't even the biggest reality star in my class. Um, at the same time that I was doing Dream Job, there was a, a girl who was also a senior who was on Survivor. <laughs> um, I don't remember what her last name was, but her first name was Eliza. And, uh, and so she, and this is when Survivor was like in its infancy still, like fourth or fifth season. So not like Survivor 37. So this was, you know, everyone still watched Survivor. It was still an enormously successful show and, and she was on it and I think did pretty well. So like I wasn't even a, the biggest reality star on campus. <laughs> um, uh, but I know I enjoyed it. Like I, I really did enjoy going back to Syracuse and, and, and having that as a background and like walking around thinking like people saw what I did and like, that's, that's a fun thing. Like it, it's, it's no different than what we do now. Like we do it cause we love sports and we, and we love being part of these events, but there's a part of all of us that likes being known. I mean, that's, that's for this industry, but I think that's everybody. Like everybody wants to feel like what they do matters and is appreciated. And like when you're a 21 year old kid walking around a college campus, it's kind of a cool thing. Well, I'm glad that whole internet video thing worked out, uh, especially at CBS. Me too. <laughs> and now, now here you are, um, and it's a very timely week to have you on the podcast. So we talked about at the top, your uh, lead host of Sirius' coverage of the NFL draft. I feel like uh, it's kind of a tall order, you know, seven rounds over three days, 200-something yeah. players drafted. What's that prep, like, prep work look like for you, and what does ultimately that whole broadcast look like uh, over those three days? It's a very different prep than the guys who are doing the draft all year, or since at least the NFL season ends, because I do you know, the college basketball aspect and the prep for the tournament has to happen. And this year with the tournament being moved back a week, it, it's a shorter turnaround. But it's uh, the prep for me starts on the NFL team side of things. You know, what happened in the offseason, what their background is, what were they good at, what were they bad at, um, you know, who have their recent drafts been, who they signed, who they lose, who's still a free agent, all of those type of things. And then, it's you know, the focus turns to the players. And, and, and I never get through more than 150 to 200 guys in terms of in-depth. And, and it's not, you know, for my purposes, it's not about watching film and seeing, hey, this guy had a good knee bend or this guy's good at closing off the edge. I'll, I leave that to the, to the guys who actually know what they're talking about with that. It's more about what were his numbers, what did he do well, what's the historical spot of this? Like, I just finished uh, um, Washington State's offensive, their, their starting left tackle. His name's Andre Dillard. And uh, it was just curious because you know how many Washington State guys have been selected in the first round and the answer is two since 2000 like you go back to Ryan Leaf they've only had two other guys selected in the first round since then but they have never had an offensive lineman selected in the first round since uh the modern draft got going in 1967. Like it's stuff like that, historical notes like that that I look for and, and make sure that I have, so that when we get through, you know, Thursday and Friday, we're good. And then by the time we get to Saturday, you know, your 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 team has built up its draft. They started to have a few guys, and and you know, the roster's starting to take shape. And you know, then then there's a lot of trades, and we do a lot of talking with 
coaches and GMs and some of the guys that get drafted, and then it's a fun. It's a fun. What turns out to be about seven hours. Are you guys set up like in the the draft hall or draft room or whatever? Are you guys in the convention yeah. area? No, well, it depends. It depends what day. Like so, so Mon- uh, Thursday, day one is is where everybody else is broadcasting. There's a special radio part for it. Um, you know, just like who broadcast it on on terrestrial radio. Um, you know, you you do day one, then you you see a few less stations for day two, and then when you get to day three, we are the only ones who do the entire NFL draft from start to finish. Um, so it's just us. So like in Chicago, it was in the park. Uh, in Philadelphia, it moved from the back of the uh, art museum to inside the art museum. So it just depends on where the events are. But uh, but it's it's an again. It gets back to what we were talking about earlier. Like we are so lucky to do what we do, and I think sometimes people get caught up in the everyone appreciates this and that, and like I'm going to complain about X, Y, or Z. And like for me, it's just like none of that stuff matters. Well, I'm glad you brought up. Uh couple questions ago the kind of trivia nuggets that come up and the interesting facts that'll pop up throughout the draft because it's looking like it's going to be the first time since 1995 I believe that a Big Ten quarterback will be drafted in the first round uh that's Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State so what do you like about him and why do uh you think he's first round worthy not only that like it looks like he's gonna go potentially top 10. Do you want me to pretend like I know about his his ability to throw the out route and uh, no, no, no. like how how good he's looking to the left, but then finds his fourth receiver? <laughs> I think I think Dwayne Haskins handled a situation that was really difficult, as well as anybody could have handled it because Ohio State was coming off a quarterback that in JT Barrett that is an historical quarterback. He's not an NFL guy, and I realize Buckeye fans, by the end of his senior year, were looking for them to go to Dwayne Haskins in the beginning to begin with, um, and then he beat Penn State, and then some of those conversations quieted down. But you're coming off of replacing a guy who's got you know all of the Big Ten records and is going to go down as one of the best players in Ohio State history, and he comes in with the Urban Meyer-Ryan Day situation and just lights up everything. And, and has 50 touchdown passes and a Big Ten record, 4,800 passing yards, and and only eight interceptions, and they blow out Michigan, and all the things that had to happen, they win a Big Ten championship game, and he throws for, what was it, 499 yards. Like, everything that you could have asked of the kid, he, he, he did. And he did it in these, like, unbelievable moments, and he did it when the defense, like, Ohio State's been putting out great defensive players picking in the first round for the past five, six years at 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 an alarming pace. They couldn't stop anybody. All those points that the Buckeyes put up, they needed to 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 win and even be in the conversation for the college football playoff, and they did it, and and he did it. And and I think think he proved himself to be a great pocket passer, Uh, and I hope hope he goes in the top ten. I I think he's going to be good. All right, one more player evaluation question. I'm not going to make you do all 22 film breakdown or Gruden grind or anything like that. but Yeah, uh, <laughs> Denard Robinson is my favorite college player of all time. <laughs> we'll go right to the top. Um, Kyler Murray, do you think him potentially going to Arizona is, is the right move for all parties involved, and even including like his decision to play football over baseball? Do you think this is going to work out? Yes, because, because if the A's – if it's accurate, so let's take it as different parts, right? The financial part. If it's true that the A's were going to give him $14 million and he does, in fact, go number one, then he's immediately made more than $14 million, even if he doesn't 
finish out his first contract if he gets cut, right? Um, so contracts aren't guaranteed, but he's going to get such a big signing bonus to be at number one and totally worth it financially there. That's A. B, if he really loves football more than baseball, which clearly he does, then go play football, which is what he's doing. So that works out. And then C, he is the Heisman Trophy winner who's doing things that we just don't see that often. Like, he is such an amazing talent in his ability to throw and run. He and Deshaun Watson are the only quarterbacks in history to throw for 4,000 and run for 1,000 in the same season. And the guy was dynamic. And the guy was so good all year. And some of his passes are just remarkable. And, and if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you come to Arizona and you're coming off of this college resume, which isn't good, like he put together some amazing offenses and some great quarterbacks, but as a head coach, he lost a lot more than he won, and he never had a winning record in Big 12 play. I mean, that's that's tough. Tommy Tuberville had winning records in conference play. Mike Leach was close to you know winning the Big 12. Like Those are things that, that other coaches at Texas Tech have done, and he wasn't even close to that. Um, so he better go go with the big splash, and I think Kyler Murray accomplishes that. And I and and you know everyone's trying to make comparisons and say that the NFL right now is looking at colleges and they're going to those offenses, and you know you might as well be a college quarterback and do all those things. I don't I don't know if that's a snap judgment on the last couple of years and if it's going to continue. Or if it's because of the fact that the NFL is adapting to the quarterbacks coming into the league, which is more of these type of guys, guys who are mobile and, and like this is the talent you have, and so you, let's, let's adapt to those guys and make our offenses around those guys as opposed to try and fit them into what we do. I'm not sure which part of the mix it is, but Kyler Murray is coming into a system where Cliff Kingsbury is going to do that, and so I, I do think that would work out. All right, Jason, last question. Before I let you go, I want you to take me behind the scenes again, this time uh, into NFL game days as a studio host. And to kind of put it in TV terms, are you more uh, Scott Hansen from Red Zone in the studio or more Kurt Menefee? Uh, are, you, are you making the calls on where to go, or how do you, how do you uh, lead that game day coverage? For which job? <laughs> <laughs> Just to, like, I don't know. You know Scott kind of, like you mentioned throwing it around. Um, which, no, but which job of mine? I know what those guys do. Wait, like, which job of mine am I more like Scott Hansen or Kirk Menefee? So when you're so on NFL game days, are you throwing it around like you do for the NCAA tournament, or how are you hosting those shows? Uh, NCAA tournament is more like Scott Hansen than it is like Kurt Menefee, except we have an hour pregame show leading up to the tournament, so which is more like Kurt Menefee. So can my answer be both? Yeah, sure. But how does it compare to when you're – Call, or when you're hosting on NFL Sundays, if that makes sense. Oh, oh, so that's just a full-out pregame show. That's more like a Kurt Menefee thing. Gotcha. We, we finish, yeah, we finish right at, at, at 1 o'clock, and, and there are no Westwood One games in the afternoon. Westwood One's coverage of the NFL picks back up with primetime with Sunday Night Football. So we do a pregame show, uh, and then you go listen to whatever games you want to listen to, and at 8.20, or I guess it's what time does Scott Graham go on, 7.30 or 7.45, uh, Eastern, then the coverage of Sunday Night Football gets going. So it's that that's strictly Kurt Menefee. Tournament is strictly Scott Hansen. Okay, so you're kind a of, bit of Kurt you're, kind, you're a blend of both. I got you. And who's the guy that does the? De- I am. I am very difficult, Alex, to put in a box. <laughs> 
Just My too, call would be very excited about that. Too versatile. Who's uh, And who's the guy that does the deep voice in Westwood One, the intros? That is awesome. That gets me fired up. His name is David Lee, and he lives in Green Bay. He's the most anonymous name in, in like this. Just if you were to see him, or you can you can actually I'm blanking out what his Twitter handle is, but if you Google David Lee voice imaging, I think is what it is. You get his Twitter handle, and you'll and you'll you'll see a picture of him. Uh, he doesn't look anything like what you'd expect. He, he's just I mean he's the guy that you see that you hear in movies like in a world where we are gonna get killed. Here's Jason Horowitz, <laughs> like, but much deeper and much sexier, uh, and and he just doesn't look anything like what you'd expect. Nothing gets me fired up for listening to football on the radio than that voice. Like, and he does it for basketball too. I'm pretty sure. So I'm just jealous that you have uh, been able to be introduced by David Lee from Green Bay. Me too. <laughs> I want it more. I want it as my ringtone. It should be like the narrator for your life, like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, exactly. If I can, I would listen to anything Morgan Freeman does. Or, or so three people really. I would listen to anything they do. Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones, and David Lee. There you go. All right. Jason. And Ian Eagle and Kevin Kugler. Five people, really. Yeah, Kevin Kugler was the last uh, last guest on this this show, so uh, he's been introduced as well. So um, you're, you're in good company. Everywhere. He'll do everything. Exactly. All right, Jason. Well, I feel like I've uh, put you through the ringer enough, confused you enough, and if you can put up with this show, three days of hosting, the NFL draft will feel like nothing. So Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's going to fly by. All right. Thanks, Jason. Uh, we'll definitely be following along this upcoming weekend in Nashville. Alex. Thanks, All right, thanks once again to Jason for joining me. A lot of fun talking to him, a lot of fun learning about his career, his experiences, and best of luck to him as he dives into three days of coverage of the NFL draft and, and lead radio uh, studio hosting that event. All right, moving on now to our final segment of this episode. It's our Call for the Culture segment with producer Colleen Degnan. Describe at the top of the show what the uh, gist of the segment's about. You'll uh, get it pretty quick if you haven't heard it already. It's a lot of pop culture, entertainment, and general sports and fun talk about everything and anything that's going on in our lives and in the world of sports. So we'll dive right into that. It's Call for the Culture with Colleen. It starts right now. All right, we're back once again with another edition of Call for the Culture. Alex Rue here alongside... Producer Colleen Degnan. Colleen, how you been? What's up? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. You look uh, rejuvenated. You look fresh back from your little weekend vacation. We talked about it last week. How was Austin, Texas? Okay. I love Austin. You've been there before, though, right? No. It was oh, my really? first time. Oh, okay. Holy cow. It's cool, right? For There's so many different pockets of the city. It has like a small-ish town feel, but a pretty good sized city and incredible food tons of gluten-free options which is highly appreciated well it's unique because it's like a boom town right it's a college town that kind of has exploded you know it's always been a big your college town kind of like in the columbus ohio's mold but it's kind of blown up as texas has gotten bigger and and it's kind of a a unique city just because it's more um i would say you know academic than a lot of the other cities in Texas, just different? Well, I mean, I didn't really get that much of a college feel at all. We we didn't spend much time on campus or anything. Also yeah. hipster version. It's yeah. funky. It's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's right on Lake Austin, which is also Ladyburg Lake. It's a weird, depending on where you are, it's called different things, but it's just, like, essentially an offshoot of the Colorado River. And so we did tons of, like, outdoor activities on the water. Everyone's wearing chacos and just enjoying outside. 
obviously I lucked out with the weather, which I loved. Did you go on Rainy Street? Uh, yes, we hit all of the major, like, SoCo, Rainy Street, Dirty, like, uh, just so many cool things. I couldn't have been happier, and so great to see some friends. Nice. Well, you're lucky you know people there. You're also lucky you know somebody with a boat, because that's always been a huge struggle for me. Like, I grew up in Champaign, Illinois. There's not really many bodies of water around there, so I never grew up really knowing anyone close, uh, any of my friends that had, like, any sort of boat or any sort of water activities really like some people had lake houses that were like far away but no one really they had a boat now i'm up here i have a lot of the same friends and none of my friends that i met in college that maybe live close to lake michigan have a boat either so i'm just like landlocked (laughs) up here you're you're out there in in austin on that whatever you said the the river (laughs) the lake on a boat all weekend and um, well that was we did a power play we rented a boat one day but also i mean hello you know friends with boats up here you probably have a boat but i don't have a boat but Come on, it's it's okay. Well, there's still plenty of do without having to get your own boat. That's always but been a goals, huge hurdle life for goals. me. Like you know, uh, when people go to the playpen in the summer in Chicago. So for people who don't know, the playpen is like this uh, little pocket of Lake Michigan near downtown Chicago, where all the Instagram models and the clout chasers all go to take pictures, and it's a it's a big um, big scene. And I can never go because I don't really know anyone with a boat. So if anyone out there wants to offer their vessel. Uh, <laughs> Let Alex live out his dream. Yeah, just one weekend. That's all I need. But, uh, you know, it's not quite boat weather here in Chicago yet, but I will say there's been a few days that have popped up that have been absolutely perfect weather-wise, and this past Sunday is one of those days, and you missed out on it. Well, I had some great sun in Austin, but I'm glad that you got sun here, too. Yeah, it was... Not bitter about so it. We, we've been, complaining, like you wanted me we've been to be. complaining the last month or so about how the weather's been in- unpredictable and inconsistent. And it's true, but it almost makes up for that when it's so perfect like it has been occasionally on some of these days like i said easter sunday couldn't have been better sunny light breeze it wasn't too hot we had a couple days like that um in i think a couple weeks ago i don't know even yesterday opening day i remember for the cubs was was really nice nice. home opening so Um, it was perfect and to even like add on to just the the quality sunday that we had it was easter and that means that Chicago was in holiday mode. So it was like probably a third of the city was gone, which means traffic was amazing. There were no lines. I was at Trader Joe's and I didn't have to wait behind a single person at the checkout aisle. If people have been to Trader Joe's, they know how rare that is. Parking was um, widely available. Our street is, is close to Wrigley Field and there was open spots during a Cubs game, which is unheard of. It was amazing. So you missed out on holiday Chicago. I don't know if you've ever even experienced it because you're always probably gone for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. Have you ever experienced a, a a holiday where people tend to go home in the city of Chicago? My first year, I spent the Fourth of July here. Okay, does that count? What, what, I don't know. It's a holiday. I know. I'm trying to think of like, Are we, what, a holiday, that, a holiday? Pe- that people go home for. Like Easter, everyone like kind of evacuates the city. Thanksgiving. I was here last Easter, they, but I know, and this one just felt different. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the weather was better. And I got to kind it of sounds be like you're city. not going to let any of the holidays I've spent here qualify, no matter <laughs> Fourth, what I, I feel say. Like people come here for Fourth of July, though. It's like one that people flood the city for, kind of. I don't mm, see the fireworks and all that. I guess. But anyway, it was amazing. It reminded me of like Thanksgiving or Christmas when I come back to the city um, early for work or whatever, and nobody's around, and it's like, okay, this is the ideal capacity for for people. So you missed out on that, but. Uh, it's okay, because I think you had you had a good time anyway. I did, but awesome. thanks for trying to instill some FOMO in me. All right, enough recapping this past weekend. Let's look ahead. 
the NFL draft is coming up yeah. uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on, on Wednesday. Down in Nashville. Yeah, down in Nashville. And, and we've talked at length about the NFL draft on this episode. We had Divino Zigbo, I uh, was hoping to be drafted, and Jason Horowitz, who's hosting the draft for Sirius XM. So we got plenty of that talk covered. But I want to talk about the venue and the host city. I know we're uh, a yeah. big city uh, podcast. We, we like to, to rate our tourist destinations. So what do you think about the draft being in Nash Vegas this year? I think it's an awesome idea. I mean, last year, when they just even unveiled the new jerseys for the Tennessee Titans, they got like 50,000 people to come out on Broadway. So that's incredible. So I think that instilled like a lot of excitement for the NFL. Like it's a lot newer of a city with sports in general. Um, I'm pretty sure it's like one of the youngest cities so when it comes to having a professional team. Where was it last year? It was in Dallas. It was in Dallas, and then it was then in it, New Chicago. No, D- Dallas, Philly, Chicago. The last and then few it's years. been in New York for forever. Yeah, and it used to always just be a Radio City Music Hall. But so, I do like how they've kind of expanded it to be more of an event, less exclusive, right? Like they open it up to like convention space and fan fest. Well, this year too, they're coupling it with the St. Jude's Rock and Roll Half Marathon and Marathon. Oh, that's cool. So it's going to just be totally bustling. They have free concerts, Tim McGraw on Friday and Dirk Bentley on Saturday. Very so natural. I think they're really positioning themselves strongly. Hopefully the weather holds up. I know we're sending a few people down to uh, cover it digitally. So, um, you know, they have their eye on that to make sure that everything goes according to plan. It's weird. I, I've never been to Nashville. Um, oh, it's an like awesome place. Over there. Driven through it a handful of times. And we drive through, you can kind of see the stadium um, off to your left when you're driving south. And it's not really that conducive, I don't think, to like, it's it's kind of on its own there. And it's but across it's from the enough, city. Though. But it's close enough, right. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they align. Because I think the Fan Fest is at, at the stadium. And then there's like going to be a bunch of stuff, I'm sure, going on downtown. But you sound like you've been in Nashville. How is it as a uh, destination? So fun. I think it's perfect for something like this where it's a destination in general. Like, you're never just, like, casually going there. There's probably – there's always, like, tons of bachelorette parties. I was going to say it's, like, bachelorette party capital Yeah, in the exactly. But um, it's really fun. I've been twice, and I think I think they're going to crush it. I want to go um, sometime. I don't know, like, if it would be, like, a dude's trip or what kind of destination it would be. I'm not a big country fan, so I don't know uh, how much it would appeal to me, like, the honky-tonk stuff. Country music in the summer you don't even like? I mean, I can vibe to it a little bit, but I'm not going to go, like, seek out country music, if that oh, makes sense. I'm itching for that to start coming back. All right. Well, someday uh, I'll have to get to Nashville. That will not be this weekend. And, and you know who else will not be in Nashville this weekend? I do. Yeah. Dwayne uh, Haskins. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. It's interesting. He's going to be the uh, first Big Ten quarterback taken in 23 years. Uh, it's crazy. The last Big Ten quarterback taken, I should specify, in the first round. Uh, was in 1996, I believe, when Kerry Collins was drafted out of Penn State. So we've, it's another one of those weird droughts where we've gone a couple de- decades, just like in basketball, without winning the national championship. We've gone a couple decades without a uh, Big Ten quarterback being selected in the first round. So Dwayne Haskins, barring catastrophe, should break that mold. Um, but I love that. He's he's staying true to his roots. I was going to say, what do you think about him not going to the draft? Good for him. His family wants to have um, a huge party at their local bowling alley because apparently Dwayne Haskins is like a huge bowler, which is so fun. So, so they're having like 300 people that he – teammates, coaches, family members, supporters of his to rally behind and watch it, watch it in his hometown. So he's from Maryland, so mm-hmm. he'll be out in Maryland, not in Nashville for this. Uh, I did not know until today that it's going to be a bowling yeah. set up there. <laughs> Which is so fun and so cute and small-town vibes for him. I love it. I've I've liked Dwayne Haskins as I've gotten to know more about him in the last year. Uh, That makes me like him even more because bowling is, like, my only parlor game, like, you know, non-sport, but, like, game 
that I'm. Oh, so you're calling bowling a non-sport? I think it's a game. I think there's a difference wow. between games. Wow. Okay. We can okay. we can talk about this about that debate all day about what's a sport and what's not. <laughs> bowling is sports, but but anyways. A game, competition, whatever. That's my only like skill game that I'm good at. I'm not good at pool. Um, I'm not good at like ping pong. Darts. Foosball, no. Darts, no. That's what I'm calling it, like parlor game. You know what I mean? Like it's like a, it's a it's a game you can play with your friends. I guess I'm okay at like mini golf, but like bowling is really my thing, <laughs> and it's because I was trained at a young age. We went to uh, the local lanes quite a bit when I was when I was young. I didn't need the little ramp. I just went and bowled. I don't even know if I needed bumpers. I'm, When's the last time history. you've been bowling? Um. It's probably been about a year, but it's one of those. <laughs> but no, it's one of those things. It's like riding a bike. It's like for me, a former basketball player shooting a jump shot. Like I never lose the form, and I'm still usually pretty good. I, I usually can hold my own. All right, so, maybe we're gonna have to put that to the test. I know. But, uh, well, a couple of years ago, before you were here, the Big Ten Network Christmas party was at a uh, bowling alley, uh, and it was like a nice bowl. It wasn't like a you know rundown one. I'm pretty sure Haskins' bowling alley where he goes will probably be pretty nice and done up too. This was like a legit like um, bougie bowling alley that we all competed at and it was fun so sorry you missed out on that um i don't even think i got a chance to like show off my skills at that one i think i was mainly focused on the the eating and the refreshments <laughs> knowing you that's probably are, accurate are, are you are you a bowler at all? um i'm i'm seeking redemption i've uh bowled recently not shown my best but uh i think it's an up-and-coming skill that i'm gonna regain in the near future so, like what's your game then everybody has some sort of game they're good at like, like I, I don't know like are you good at like skee ball Foosball. I can we, hold we my own in pool. Pool, okay. Um, my That's family has a pool table. That's a good one to be. I pretend that I good, I'm good at darts just because it was really popular. Real darts? Yeah. Like with the pointy things? Well, that can... Like at bars. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty competitive, so I'll probably say I'm good at anything and then just get better. All right, we're looking forward <laughs> to Dwayne Haskins. I wonder if he'll like, actually bowl like in between I'm picks. sure he will. That's, That's his family thing. Yeah, but uh, that'll solid. be solid. I like changing thing. it up. Um, I mean, I personally would probably go to the draft if I was going to be picked. I don't know, would you? I'd probably want to be there to I shake probably the commissioner's hand. Yeah. But I also see the appeal of having all your friends and family around because you can only have like a few people, I'm sure, on the draft floor with you. So I see it both ways. Uh, I don't mind him zigging while other people zag. You know. And this with the with the lineup, I'd probably want to go see the country artist. So I'd, it, I'd probably be in Nashville. So yeah, we'll be watching this weekend, um, covering it, obviously. As a uh, you know, Big Ten, both digital and TV network. So we have our uh, our stuff ready to go for for the Big Ten players that are going to be drafted. Good luck to everyone. Uh, good luck to Divino Zigbo, especially who is on the podcast. Hopefully, he gets picked. And um, I don't know, is, it, is the draft something you watch? It's until I worked at BTN, it was something that I never really got the draw of. But as I've gotten kind of older and also been more invested in it, we're I was going to say, yeah. And, like, now I recognize, like, so many of the, the players going in the first round right. just because of, like, being around college football so much in the fall. I I agree with you. I feel like our opinions are a little bit more biased now. Like, I'm going to watch. But I, I don't think that the casual fan is going to tune in. I think also, like, as a sports fan over the years, my um, mindset has been less of, like, this year, like, what's going to happen right now. I kind of zoomed out as a sports fan, like, looking over multiple years. So, like, I, I can appreciate more when a team drafts a player for the future and I can get more excited about it. Because when I was younger, it just always seemed like it was an eternity away when they would pick a guy and we'd eventually see that player produce on the field. So I think the immediacy of it uh, has worn off for me so I can kind of, you know, project out and appreciate when 
the Bears take a, a six-round pick that might be good in a couple of years. So that's another part of it for me. Very but, true. But I, I think Packers are going with the, with the defense guy for his draft. Oh, I finally got to read. I'm in the middle of reading that Packers oh, uh, article about how the, the dysfunction Mike, of the, the franchise drama. and Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers thing fell apart. So it's juicy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm still reading it, though. Uh, all right. I know another thing you definitely will be watching this weekend is, uh, well, actually, maybe hopefully not for you if, if uh, the Blazers take care of business. But I was going to say the NBA, play- NBA playoffs. Fingers crossed tonight they can seal the deal and close it up in uh, Portland against Oklahoma. So, so Tuesday night they have uh, the game five closeout game yeah. against OKC. This series has been fun. I think it's been my favorite one to watch in the first round, mostly because of the petty wars between Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook. Also, though, the petty wars of Russ and the media. Yes. He has been so close-mouthed, so childish in his press conferences. Well, I shouldn't even say, like, petty wars with Damien, because... No, they're just, like, not, old Dame, school NBA men even, not liking Dame's each other. Dame's not even petty. Like, that's the <laughs> no. thing. Like, Dame's just... That's why I like him. Is like, he's such an outright guy. He's just a guy. straight-up dude, like... Committed to Portland. Yeah, we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Um, hell of a player, obviously. Yeah. But he, he doesn't get wrapped up in all like the sensitivity that Russ does you know like Russ why are you so sensitive all the time I don't understand like he gets mad when like a 10 year old fan tries to reach out and give him a high five he made a big stink about that this year he gets mad and holds grudges against the local media like as much of a grind and and as monotonous as that can be like having the same people asking you questions especially yeah but respect them a little bit I know especially in a small like all right I can see it both ways I see how you know, you're Russell Westbrook. You're by far the biggest fish in a small market. People are bugging you every day for the same quotes. But at the same time, yeah, there's, like there's, every a, other there's plenty of other yeah, there's pl- plenty of other players that can handle it with more professionalism. Like, I know we only see the snippets of him uh, sparring with the, the Oklahoman reporter Barry Trammell, who he has a history with, and refusing to answer his questions. But like, when guys do this, like when Marshawn Lynch did it, I didn't. I wasn't buying that it was like some sort of woke, unique take on sports media I just thought he was doing it to just to kind of be a jerk and same with Russ like Russ just stand up there answer a couple questions I'm not even trying to stand for the media right now it just makes everything more comfortable more smooth and, and doesn't give you a bad look you know what I mean? that's the thing he's up there literally saying next question next question he said I don't know that was that was that was a lot for him but he's up there and it wasn't it wasn't just the one reporter he doesn't like like uh, a female reporter asked him a question just in a little stand-up interview and it was kind of awkwardly phrased, but he just snapped back at her. You know, he didn't have to do it, but it snapped back at her saying, like, oh, was that a question or what? It's just like, dude, just chill. J- yeah, just be a little more personal. And I like Russ as, like, a player for the most part, but I think Dame has made him look bad both on the court and just with his professionalism. I completely agree. Off the court. So, so yeah, hopefully. Uh... And one more thing I'll add to that in that clip where Russ said, next question. Did you see how Paul George was, like, off to the side and, like, it just seemed like his little sidekick trying to do the same thing? Exactly. Was, I don't understand why they're so stubborn yeah. or hot-headed. I mean, I do know they're losing. And yeah. they, everybody was expecting the opposite outcome of the series, so. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Westbrook fan, but I'm more of a Dame fan. Love in, it. In this series. Uh, so good luck to your Blazers thank tonight. You. That'd thank be, you, thank That'd be you. nice to see. Um, talking a little more NBA before we move on, the drama going on with the Nets and Sixers series. Have you seen any of this yes. going on? What have you seen? 
I mean, between what? I mean, the, also the same thing happening. Awkward situations in press conferences with, across these series. We've what got, like, happened? Joel Embiid, and, like, he's, like, they're, like, cracking up, goofing off. Oh, when he said the Warriors, he said, we don't want to be like the Warriors because they're up 3-1 to one and they don't want to blow a 3-1 lead like the Warriors there, did. There you go. I also liked, and this springs out of the drama that we're talking about, uh, so Jared Dudley, kind of a, a reserve um, bench guy on the Nets, has been the agitator in this series and got in a fight with Embiid. Um, when Embiid had a hard foul, Dudley came and kind of shoved him. Jimmy Butler got involved. And speaking of Embiid's funny quotes, <laughs> right after the game, they asked Joel about it, and he was like, well, first of all, Dudley's a nobody, and I just love that. Like, So <laughs> and, funny. Embiid, Embiid, at least, I think is good-natured about it. Like, he has fun with the media. I also kind of like when guys across all the teams are throwing a little bit of shade. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, we talked about the petty wars, and that's kind of what the NBA is known for, is just, like, all the ancillary stuff going around on around the games, because... We, you know, we talked so much about this. We haven't talked about the Warriors, who are probably going to end up winning the title pretty easily again. But, like, it's it's all this stuff that makes it fun, you know. Yeah, but I'd rather have that than the juxtaposition of trying to create these super teams. Like, I know you and I both don't right. like super teams. So I'd rather have this a little bit of animosity oh, yeah, it's, it's between good. the players. It's good. Um, one more thing that I appreciated. Last night I was watching the Milwaukee Bucks and Detroit Pistons game. God, and Giannis is unreal. Oh, yeah, he had that crazy move that I, I literally gasped while I was watching. If you saw the double clutch where he looked like he was going to dunk it, it came down, put it up. Um, similar he had, what, to what, like 41 points in 31 minutes. That was that was his thing. Yeah, like, it, the move was similar to what Michael Jordan did uh, in 1991 against the Lakers. But uh, in this game, what stood out to me most was despite uh, getting swept, Blake Griffin, who was basically playing on, like, one leg out there, he was injured. I honestly love he, that. Good for him. He was... Uh, at the free throw line, and the Detroit fans were protesting a bad call with the, <laughs> the refuse suck chant, which I will say, the refuse suck chant is a classic. Like, <laughs> it never gets old. It's very easy to get going. It conveys the message clearly. And I loved it because Blake Griffin joined in, yeah. and the camera caught him chanting refuse suck with the fans while he was waiting for uh, Milwaukee to shoot a free throw. Do so you agree he should have stayed out there? Do you like why? Why was he still playing at that point? He's clearly hurt. They're not I mean, just giving it his all. It's the last game yeah. of the year, probably. He probably knows it. I don't know how hurt he was or, like, the details behind that. I've not just admittedly been like paying switch. attention to the Pistons this year. But, yeah, he had a huge wrap on one of those knees. I like Blake Griffin. He's a funny Same. guy. Same. I don't mind him at all. I thought that was really funny, Did too. you know he does stand-up comedy? No. Yeah. It's like his What thing. a hidden talent. I know. It's, it's interesting. So, wrapping up uh, NBA talk, you know, we'll root for your boys in, in Portland we got to talk about your boys in Wisconsin, though, or your former and current Wisconsin uh, athletes. So they've been in the news a lot lately. Yeah, Russell Wilson. Well, first of all, going back to last week when he when he put out that uh, questionable announcement. questionable announcement via Instagram with Sierra saying that he's that they're staying staying in Seattle. Yeah, it was a little awkward. Um, but you had a a yeah. new a new note about Russell Wilson. I hadn't seen this. Yeah, so uh, he decided to give. All of his offensive linemen, a twelve thousand dollars in Amazon stock. So is that like a Seattle connection? I know Amazon stock is is a, a safe bet right now if you can afford it. But what's the impetus for that? How did that come about? I think I mean obviously his deal is unreal, so he wanted to like gift some of it away. But I don't really know why he chose Amazon stock. Yes, the the locale, but of all other things, like, I just because it's such a safe bet. Like I don't know. I feel like it's just gonna keep going up. I mean, I guess, but. Interesting. I was like, wow, rest the businessmen. Like a lot of – you hear about the stories about quarterbacks giving their linemen like ATVs or something like that. You know, it gives them 
I thought cars it'd be, yeah, like it'd be but more of a toy. But no, it's it's this kind of goes in line though. Long term investment. It's just so kind of on brand though, because you see Russ sometimes rocking like such dad outfits, <laughs> and I kind of think it's adorable. So yeah. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, Ru- Russ. I picture him more as like the nerdy dad as opposed to. Um, the guy wearing the chains that we saw in the announcement right. video. So he's going, he's going through some things. But, yeah, other Wisconsin great football players right now, JT. Jonathan Taylor? Yes. Yeah. Going to flex some of his uh, innate running ability on the track team this weekend. Yeah, this just came out today. I didn't realize this. I don't know if this has, like, been a well-known thing on campus, but Jonathan Taylor is running track at Wisconsin. I knew he was a high school track stud in New Jersey, but – says here he's competing in the 400 relay and, and uh, intends to compete in the Big Ten championships meet. That's pretty cool. That's so cool. I mean, how common is that? Is that that happens? A, I feel like I think more it, often I feel like that? it used to happen more often where guys would train in the off season with like the track team because yeah, now makes perfect now sense. the programs are so developed though. Like it's such a year round thing. Yeah. In college sports, I feel like it's much more rare. But I mean, hey, if Jonathan Taylor wants to win some hardware, yeah. stay in Dual shape. Dual sport athlete, love it. It's crazy. It, just, it, it puts in perspective how athletic these guys are. Just Seriously. Like physical freaks they are. And, physical uh, freaks. We'll have to keep an eye on JT and see if he I know. I hope he breaks some records. Or or I don't really know track lingo. but um, Earn a letter. Yeah. So good for him. Um, before wrapping up, it, it was a holiday weekend, we know, but it was also a holiday yesterday, yesterday as of today, Tuesday. Um Happy Earth Day. Where's Earth Day rank on your... On holidays? Yeah. Like level of importance? Yeah, it's very low on mine. Really? I love the Earth, but I, I mean, just the day. I don't I don't need a day to tell me to love the Earth. I recycle every week anyway. I think it's a great remembrance. I mean, some people use it a little bit more basically to show all the cool places they've been yes, on the Earth. Yes, that's one thing I noticed yesterday <laughs> on Instagram. People were like, oh, I love the Earth. Here's when I was in, in, <laughs> yeah, in Greece, country. or here was when I was... Like at the Great Wall of China or something yeah. like that. So. I mean, I definitely hold it a little bit closer to my heart because, you know, um, I'm involved in a nonprofit yes. that is a water charity. Um, shout out Responsible. Get, get, get your plug in. So, uh, Risk yes. Responsible. Risk Responsible. Uh, yeah, we're a non-for-profit water charity. But um, I – so I, I appreciate it. I didn't post anything just because, like you said, I feel like I try to practice things like that often. But in line with it, there it was, was like, some cool things happening across the country. It was the same people posting the – their pictures of Notre Dame last week oh. um, that they've been there. They're, the same people were posting all their cool places on earth they've been. A little bit. Week, so. But one thing I saw that I kind of loved was um, Barry Zito, a former pitcher. Yep. He led the national anthem during the A's game, and they decided to completely turn off all of, like, the LED screens and didn't have music and, like, kind of observe, like, a moment of, like, all conservation. Game, or was that just for the anthem? No, just for oh, the okay. anthem. Okay. But it was really cool because, like, everybody's just sang, and it was just their voices, and there was, like, no lights, no, nothing was on, and it was cool. And I thought it was a nice little, like, reminder. And, like, also, he has such an interesting story because now he's a musician. I didn't know Barry Zito was a musician. Yeah. His, well, his parents were both really involved with Nat King Cole, which I think is cool. Like, he grew up in Vegas. but um, Those Giants pitchers, like, Barry Zito is a unique guy. Tim Lincecum, when he was just dealing for the Giants and was a Cy Young winner. He was always an interesting guy off the field. Um, and both those guys kind of flamed out early and didn't really live up to their big second contracts. But uh, that's now, cool. Now he's uh, living the, the limelight. But uh, you also brought up, you're, what, what have you been listening to? Okay, well, I listen, yeah, for Earth Day, um, actually, this came about, I, I saw that little Dickie, <laughs> kind of the uh, modern-day Weird Al Yankovic um, comedy yes, rapper. great comparison. Yeah, so I saw that he was coming out with a song, and then I was kind of reminded of it. Last night I was watching... Uh, CNN actually, and and Lil Dicky was on CNN talking about his 
New Earth Day song. I don't even know what it's called. It's like it's, Save the Earth or something no, like that? No, it's literally called Earth, I think. Oh, it's called Earth. Okay. Earth. Yeah, but did you know... Anyway, it's just funny to see him on, on like, a, a serious network, like, just talking about his, his comedy parody song. Because, like, you know, if you don't... If you ever heard a Lil Dicky song, they're very... Um, they're very funny, usually, but they also have serious undertones exactly. and, like, you know, ironic humor and stuff Satirical like that. Satirical, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely satire. That's a great um, way to describe it. But they're cultural <clears throat> references at the same time. Because did you know how he originally started, why he wanted to make this song? No. Well, he said on the TV last night he wasn't really, like, aware of, like, climate change or anything like that until recently. And then now he wants to do something about it. Yeah. And so, like, when he first wanted, he wanted a song that was just full of headliners. Because in the songs, Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Shawn Mendes. Like, Halsey. It's jacked Snoop, with celebrities. Wiz Khalifa, Miles yeah. Cyrus, Ed Sheeran. So he at first just wanted this, like, superstar song. And then he was like, wait, this is an opportunity to actually, like, hit at some very important things happening Put right now. Put a cause behind it. Gotcha. Yeah, because uh, the music video was like an animated, almost like Lion King looking, um, basically cartoon with all of these famous singers and actors and actresses, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's in it as well, talking as like these cartoon avatars yeah. and singing. And um, and it, it was interesting. Yeah. It's going to get people talking about it. It'll probably raise some money. Timely for sure. Yeah. But, so uh, where, is the, where is your coolest place you've been on Earth? So like... I've been to, um, for this question, coolest place we've been on Earth, I'm going to go with, like, scenery-wise. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, where like, you really right, felt, like, like... natural beauty. Yes, natural yes. beauty. Natural beauty. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go to Italy last summer and went to the island of Capri, um, which is, <clears throat> if people don't know, it is an island south of the city of Naples in the south of Italy, and it's just, like, naturally stunning. It's crazy. It's, like, rock formations and like the city is built onto this mountain essentially and there's just beautiful water like gorgeous views everywhere we took a boat through these rock formations and little coves and it was i had like sensory overload it was so much and you know i I get seasick sometimes anyway that it was just like (laughs) it was almost too much for my brain to process it was a crazy beautiful day and crazy uh scenery and and i think that was the same week we were there that like George Clooney crashed his uh, moped or something oh in Italy. God. It was just funny. Like, there was a lot of famous people in Italy that same week, and we saw like headlines like George Clooney crashes moped, Kim Kardashians in this city. Like it was, it was just funny. So, um, yeah, I'm Very gonna go cool. with Capri. How about you? Uh, definitely the South Island of New Zealand. I got to go see Milford Sound okay. in Te Anu, which is a part in the South Island, and it felt like I was in Jurassic Park. It was so cool. Wow. Like. I was just obsessed with, like, we kayaked through it, and it was so cool, and it's it just was overall an amazing experience, but definitely felt the most natural beauty and loved it. Well, you have to wait till next year to post your <laughs> Instagram of the Earth Day, most beautiful place, and humble brag and, and slight flex. Like, we kind of are on this podcast right now about where you've been. So uh, next year, make sure you make a note. Uh, will do. Will do. All right, Colleen, it's been another great edition of Call for the Culture. We've got a lot of uh, current events packed in. I think we, we did a good job summing this week up. Um, May's coming up, so we'll have to... If I see any of those sync Justin Timberlake quotes. Oh, it's going to be May, memes. yep. Or also May the 4th, which is Star Wars Day coming up. We can Also, my parents' anniversary. <laughs> congrats. Okay. Early congrats to them. All right, we won't give away too much material. We'll just wrap it up now. Thanks a lot, Colleen. I will talk to you next week. See ya.
All right, thanks once again to Divine, Jason, and Colleen for contributing to the show. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate everyone listening to uh, this jam-packed episode. If you made it this far, hope everyone enjoys spring weather, enjoys watching the NFL draft this weekend or whatever else might be occupying your time. Regardless, we'll keep it moving here on the show. Bring some more great episodes to you as spring moves along. Uh, you know, college sports might stop in the spring and summer, but the BTN Take 10 podcast does not. We'll keep rolling. And uh, to do that, I have to thank my producers who are here each and every week. Wes White, Julie Bronder. Thanks to them for uh, putting the show together week in and week out. Thanks once again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you soon here on the Take 10 podcast.